Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. and it sort of opened up all kinds of stuff and I just saw things that I'd not seen before in different ways and, and um, so you could decide at the end of it whether you think I should have stuck with the tabernacle talk um, but I wanted to bring something that I think is kind of fresh um, rather than um, something else so is that okay? So um, here's the passage 2 Kings chapter 2 it's talking about a double portion that's what I want to talk to you about 2 Kings chapter 2 in the Old Testament um, book of kings is all about lots of kings good kings, bad kings but at the same time it's also about um, people who are coming and speaking to those kings various people often called prophets and one of them was called Elijah was very famous and then he had a, a, a protege an apprentice by the name of Elisha and um, we're in this this passage is um, when somehow God's revealed to it seems quite a few people that this is going to be like Elijah's last day on the earth um, before he, he goes. And actually, it doesn't even say that, it never says that he dies, it just says that he goes. He's like he ascends, he's transported, something happens. And uh, so there was another guy in the Old Testament called Enoch. He says that he walked with God and then he just wasn't there anymore. It's just like he'd gone. So um, he, we don't know what, what all that's about, but there's something similar happens here on this day. Um, and it says this. And it came to pass when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Then Elisha said to Elijah said to Elisha, who's like his apprentice, like I say, I'll explain more about this. Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, do you know that the Lord will take your master away from you today? And he said, yes, I know. Keep silent. Then Elijah said to him, Elisha, please stay here for the Lord has sent me on to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. So they're still together. Now the sons of the prophets who were there at Jericho came to Elisha. So it's like these are like, like schools of people of, who are learning to hear from God. That's what these kind of sons of the prophets thing is. There's these people who are kind of coming, living in community together and trying to learn how to hear from God. And they happen to be at these different places that they're now going on this journey to. So the people in Jericho then come out and they said, do you know that the Lord will take your master away from you today? So he answered, yes, I know. Keep silent. Then Elijah said to him, stay here, please. For the Lord has now sent me on to the Jordan. But he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. And 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood and facing them at a distance while the two of them stood by the Jordan. Now Elijah took up his mantle, that's like his cloak, rolled it up and struck the water. And it was divided this way and that way. So the two of them walked across on dry ground. And so it was when they crossed, crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask, what may I do for you before I'm taken away from you? 
Elisha said, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. So he said, you've asked a hard thing, nevertheless. If you see me when I'm taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. Then it happened. As they continued and talked, suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it. And he cried out, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. So he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and tore them into two pieces. He also took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and he struck the water and said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he'd struck the water, it was divided this way and that. And Elisha crossed over. Now, when the sons of prophets who were from Jericho saw him, they said, the spirit of Elijah now rests on Elisha. And they came out to meet him and bowed down to the ground before him. So it's about a journey of this person called Elisha, really, I want him to focus on. Because if, if you don't know who he was, Elisha was like a quite successful farmer initially he was a you know he had a business and and then in in first kings chapter 19 verse 19 just a few pages back really in your bible what happened is that god told elijah i'm going to replace you in various ways and one of the ways is that you ought to go and find elisha and anoint him to be your successor he's going to come and take over from you so it says, Elijah went at once, he did what he was told, and he found Elisha in a field ploughing. Elisha was in charge of the twelfth pair of oxen. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak, his mantle, over him, like signifying, I'm calling you to follow me. You're going to be like me. It's like if that mantle thing is like, if people see you coming, they're going to think they see me coming. What would his response be? Because he's got stuff to do. You know, ploughing and work and the business. Elisha abandoned the oxen, ran after Elijah and said, please let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, then I'll follow you. He's not putting it off. He's just saying, I just want to pay respects, basically. Go ahead, said Elijah, but don't forget what I've done to you. So Elisha left and he took his yoke of oxen and butchered them. Sorry about the vegetarians here. He made a fire with the plough and tackle, then he boiled the meat. A farewell meal for the family. See, this is what you call not being half-hearted. This is like not, um, you know, well, I'll see. This is full on. This is all in. This is like Bernie Bridges. Absolute, not looking back. And, you know, do you think God wants to bless anybody who'll do that? 
You know, I think in our church of people like that, I think about over the years, conversations that I've had with various people, some of whom have ended up like on staff team, for instance. I think about uh, Nick and Becky Duffy one time at the end of a, a service, and I said, you know, there's some people, and you could go and be really successful in business and make money and do all kinds of stuff, but God wants you to serve him full time in some way, and he's calling you, and you can respond to that now. And Nick and Becky came up, and Nick had just qualified as an architect and after years of study and was ready to make some money, and he came forward, and he ended up working for the church for nothing, pretty much for a year. Then he went and learned how to be, uh, how to set up the CAP, uh, Christians Against Poverty stuff. And then he went from there, and he ended up leading one of our things. But he was like, he, he was burning the, they were burning the oxen, even in terms of what they're doing now. They're just trusting God for provision. Think about Tim Burr, who leads, um, helps to lead Academy. He was doing all right. He's in London. He's got a good job working in business finance, sales, doing all right. He came with his family, came to when we were meeting at Kingsway and God got him. He was in this service and he was like pinned to his chair by God and, and, and like he knew God was doing something in, inside of him and, he, and he, couldn't, he couldn't stop. And, and I could see that something was happening with him. I ended up having these conversations with him and he was like, I don't know, I just feel like I'm in the wrong place. I need, and I should be in Manchester. It's like I've got this call. I'm meant to be there. I'm in London. It's all right, but it isn't all right because I need to be there. And he ends up, he burns the plough. He leaves the job and he leaves everything. And he came up and he didn't know where he was going to live or what he was going to do. And, and God, God blesses that kind of thing, you know. There's always power released when sacrifice takes place. Think about Andy and Lucy Smith coming from Wales, the place where they were at. Think about Sarah, who's just moved up with her family to come and, and work, you know, living in Cheltenham, this really nice place. Everything's really good. They've left a whole lot behind to come and be part of this. There's a guy called John Carlo, just um, him, him and his wife Jeanette. They've been praying for years to come to this church. I mean, literally years. He's a, he's a police officer. And, he's been, and, and they've felt a call to come and be part of Ivy for at least... I've had conversations with him for four or five years because he felt this is where they're meant to be and he's just desperately trying to sort it out. He ends up going doing WTC and he's down there to be able to do it but he sent me an email just a few weeks ago saying it's it, finally, we sold the house, we're coming. Don't know where we're coming, don't know where we, but we're coming because they just need to be here because it's like God's doing something there and we want to be a part of it, we don't want to miss it. I think God's got something special for people who are willing to burn the plough. And it says, so he left and followed Elijah and he became his right-hand man. And then we're a few chapters on. And, and in between those chapters, Elijah is standing in front of evil kings and doing some miracles and giving some prophecies and calling down fire from heaven and standing for God no matter what everybody else says. And do you know what you hear about Elisha during those chapters? Nothing. It doesn't say Elijah and Elisha. It just says Elisha. Elijah. But, but Elisha was there. What's he doing? Learning. Anonymous. Serving. Serving his time. He's not having to be up front. He's not having to be looking for a position. He's content to be where God has got him with the people in the place God has put him. And just to be there. But one thing we can see clearly in this young leader is that didn't mean that he didn't have a passion. That doesn't mean that he didn't want everything that God had got for him. 
when God was moving, you know, he stuck close to Elijah wherever Elijah went. He didn't get distracted by what other people said or what anybody else thought. And unlike some of them, he wasn't content to just watch from a distance and see what might happen. He wanted to be there. He wanted to be right there when God was doing anything. The thing is, he knew Elijah was, what I think the phrase that came to mind when I was praying about this, was that Elijah was a destiny opener for him. Like Elijah had a key for his destiny. It wasn't an accident that the two of them had connected. And so he stuck close to him, no matter what, because he wanted everything that God possibly had for him. And he wanted it actually at the right time for him to be able to have it. And that second part's really important. It's really important to grab hold of that because what he, was, he wasn't trying to make it happen himself and he wasn't trying to make it happen ahead of time. He didn't want the cake half-baked. God has got a higher glory for you, ahead of you. He's got something. He's got something amazing for you. I said God has got a higher glory ahead for you. Do you believe that? A few people believe it. I'm going to ask again. I'm going to turn around. I'm going to come back. God has got a higher glory and a destiny in the future, something amazing for you. Do you believe that? Yes. Because yes. he believes that. He says it. You know, point to any page in the Bible, pretty much you're going to find it. He's not done yet. There are people here, and God may have done some things already for you, and you may have seen some things already. But you know what? It's just the start. It's like it's just the start of what God wants to do and what God can do. It's like God's like, I'm only just getting started. It's not over. It's not hardly begun. He can use people, he can use situations, he can use circumstances, and he will bring them together, and it's not an accident. He will bring you together to people, and he, and he will re- reveal it all so that he can do even more in your future. He's got a double portion that's waiting for us. But in order to get that, he will test us along the way. He will test your pride. He will test your patience. He will, take, he, will, he will test your perseverance. He will test your stickability. He will test your, your ability to be not offended. So I hope you want it. I really hope you want it. I want it for me. But I don't want it until I'm ready for it. I don't want anything that God has got for me ahead of the time that he has for me to have it. Because I don't want to be like, what sometimes happens is that people end up their gifting takes them to a place that their character can't keep them. We've seen that happen. Some can have real gifts, incredible anointing, we might call it, and they get to stand on some platform or do some amazing things, and everybody's like, wow, they're the latest and the greatest, and aren't they amazing? And then, what happened to them? They're like a firework. You don't want to be somewhere by your gift and your anointing that your character can't sustain you there. So I do hope you want it, but pray that you get it at the right time. Because, see, this isn't just a problem. I think this isn't just a problem for millennials. People can kind of make it about, oh, this is this generation who want everything now and all that. This is not just a, it's always been a problem. Always been a problem in every generation. It's a people problem to be impatient, to want it now. 
and to get impatient and to get prideful and to think I'm ready now when actually you're not there's all kinds of things I thought I was ready for and I really wasn't ready for them people actually might even try and give it you ahead of time people might come to you and try to promote you when you're not ready for the promotion I think that was something that was happening with these schools of prophets who were coming up because they can see Elisha they can see the anointing on him he's got the mantle remember He's got the mantle on him and they're coming up to him and they're saying, hey, do you know, Elijah's going. You know, I'm not rejoicing in that, but there's a little bit of a, of a, this is your day. This is your time. And he's like, be quiet. I'm sticking with him. That takes character. Not to go and get a little group together of me fans God may not give it you at Gilgal, even if the school of prophets there are all telling you, now's the time. The blessing isn't at Bethel. It's not even at Jericho. It's down there. God's got even more if you'll wait. He's got more if you'll wait and not try and make it happen ahead of time. Will you keep holding on? Will you keep serving Will you keep going? See, there were lots of prophets who were learning there. But only one prophet in the end got everything that God had for him. Elisha was given multiple opportunities to try and make it happen for himself or to go off on his own or to turn around and to go back. But he kept on going with Elijah and he kept on going forwards. And he kept being submitted in the place where he was. And that doesn't mean he just settled. Do you know why? Because he wasn't with a settler. Make sure you're not just following somebody who's not going anywhere. But if you find a destiny opener, stick with them. You have to go through different tests in various places if you're going to get everything that God's got for you. Sometimes the thing is when tests come, here's the problem with tests, we didn't know it was a test at the time it was obvious if God went I'm going to give you a test now then we'd be all ready for it wouldn't we but sometimes we don't even recognise that there's a test going on and that's why we fail the test because we didn't even know there was a test but there was a test there's always tests on the way to a testimony when the prophet Elijah was going to be taken away it seems like everybody knew it all the prophets had the radar on everybody knew what was going on Elijah and Elisha knew it so it's, Elijah tells Elisha, I've been sent by God on some errands. I've got some stuff to do. You don't have to come with me. We don't want them. It's fine. And he's like, no, I'm coming. Yeah, you don't have to. Yeah, I'm still coming. I'm sticking with you. See, so it was a test and he passed the test. In fact, there were four tests along the way that we're going to look at before he got to the double portion, before he got to what God had for him. The Hebrew phrase there for double portion Pai Shenayim basically means two shares. It's like you, you, you got the firstborn inheritance. You got a double share of the inheritance. So it's like, it's like he's saying, I want you to get what the firstborn gets. Because in that culture, you, the firstborn got way more than everybody else. 
and, and Elisha's saying, that's what I want. And we know that he ended up getting it in the end. But he had to ask and he had to do what the master said along the way. Elisha said, please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. And he said, you've asked a hard thing. It's actually a hard thing to get everything that God has got for you. It's not easy. It doesn't just come natural. It doesn't just come easy. It doesn't just come to everybody. You know, when you became a Christian, what happens is you become a Christian. If you've, if you've become a Christian, if you've, had, if you've asked Jesus to lead your life, forgive your sins, you've, you've recognized that the cross is the answer, and you've said, I want to follow you and be a new creation. At that moment, he puts his Holy Spirit in you as a seal and a deposit, marks you as, as belonging to him. The New Testament word is arabon. In Greek now, it's the same word as engagement ring. It's like you're engaged to God from that moment. The Holy Spirit is, is the seal that marks you as belonging to him forever. So the Holy Spirit is in you, that's a given. And the way to get more of him is to let him have more of you. That's the way to get more of the Holy Spirit, is to let the Holy Spirit have more of you. Just saying, Lord, I, I, want, I want what you want. I want, I, want, I want you to take over every part of me. And I want to live in obedience to you. I don't want to grieve you. Even if, you know, I know you'll forgive my sins, but I don't want to sin anymore. I want to have the power to be able to change so that I can be different. Because I just, I like you and you like me and I don't want to hurt you. You know, now we're friends. Friends don't hurt friends. People who love each other don't hurt one another. I, I, want, I want that kind of relationship. That's what you're basically doing with the Holy Spirit. And that's the Holy Spirit in you. Bill Johnson says the Holy Spirit is in me for me but is on me for you I like that the Holy Spirit is in me for me to enable me to be and do everything God calls me to be and do but he's on me for you he's on me for miracles he's on me for, to pray for you for healings he's on me for your breakthrough so any child of God who's been asking for more of God, more of the Holy Spirit, more gifts, more revelation, more blessings, is actually at the same time asking for more and greater responsibility because the two come hand in hand. Elijah had done some pretty cool, amazing things. If you list them, there's actually at least 12 miracles that Elijah did. And he, you know, he got fed by ravens. He stopped the rain for three and a bit years. And then when he wanted it to rain again and prayed again, it came back. All those kind of amazing miracles. How many miracles did Elisha do? 28. And that's the way it should be from generation to generation. That's the way God wants it. He wants it to increase from generation to generation. There's something wrong if it doesn't increase from generation to generation. If, if the next generation doesn't go further and faster in the things of God than this present generation, somebody got something wrong. Because God wants that to happen. He wants there to be an increase. Of the, king, of the increase of his government and righteousness, there will be no end. It's like an increase is what God wants. And Jesus, we know he wants this because look at John 14 verse 12. He says this, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. What? How amazing is that? How can we do greater works than Jesus? By believing in him. That's what he says. 
You know, people are like, oh, I don't know how we can do it. Well, he tells us. The way you can do it is by believing him. You, we can do the same works. I don't even know what that means. But then you look in the New Testament and you see people like the Apostle Paul do it, sending out handkerchiefs and people get well. Jesus never did that. And you've got the Apostle Peter and he's like, me and my shadow, he's walking along. People in the shadow get healed. Jesus never did that. It's greater works. And Jesus is like, I like that. Holy Spirit is like, yes. They're doing it. They're believing me. They're doing greater works. Because I've gone to the Father. This is why he went to heaven. This is why he ascended. In the same way as Elijah ascended and a mantle fell. When Jesus ascended, the mantle fell. The mantle is the Holy Spirit coming on us, coming on the church for us to do greater works. And I'm excited about that. Isn't anybody else? I think it is fantastic that God loves that to happen. It's what he wants it to happen from generation to generation. How does it really happen? Well, we can learn a lot from what happened with Elijah and Elisha, these tests. Because there were tests as far as Elisha was concerned for him to get the greater anointing. And he decided nothing was going to come between him and that. He was going to get the double portion, no matter what. Let's look at these four different tests and challenge ourselves to press on and press into that increased anointing that God has got for us. The first test is at Gilgal. Gilgal, Hebrew word, literally means circles. The first test you've got to get out of going around in circles to go forward I know it sounds so obvious but there's Christians who spend their whole Christian life going around in circles they never get anywhere they just take two steps forward three steps back and it's round and round the garden like a teddy bear just going round over the same stuff over and over and over again never making any progress they're in the same place a year ago as they are now and if they don't change anything, they'll be in the same place 10 years from now because they're just going around in circles. It can happen throughout the whole life. The people of God, the children of God, the children of Israel, 40 years they did that, round and round and round the desert, didn't they? Going nowhere. A journey that they reckon could have been done in less than a month. But no, they didn't do it in less than a month. They went round and round, round and round in circles. That word Gilgal, I'll say it just means circles. And that was the first place. And what this tells me when I was praying about it was that God doesn't want us just to keep going around in circles. He wants us to make progress. There are things that have to go that are stopping you from moving forward. You have to stop going around and around the same mountain. The enemy has got a plan, as I say, to keep us going round and round in circles instead of proceeding with faith. I don't know what the circle is for you. Some people get stuck in a pattern of sin. Sin Sorry, feel bad. Oh, please forgive me, Jesus. Feel a bit forgiven. Doing all right. Same sin. Oh, round and round and round. The same circle. Never going forward. And then it, oh, it could be sin. And then, oh, it could just be shame or unworthiness or speaking stuff over myself and just, you know, going round and round. And no, not me. Not now. Not us. Not in my family. We can't. All those kind of things just keep us going round and round. Instead of going forwards. But Elisha, he was sticking with Elijah and following him out of that. You know, sometimes actually you've got to be with somebody who's, who's, who's breaking out and stick with them to get you out too. This is why it matters being things in, in things like grow groups and being intentional about relationships with other people. You know, don't just follow anybody, but if you see somebody who seems to be breaking out, 
of patterns and moving forward and taking ground. Make sure you stick with them because they could be a destiny opener for you. I was reading in a, in a book the other week by uh, Chris Vallotton. He says that, you know, so often we, I, I, we talk about our purpose, but your purpose is linked to places and people. It's not, it's not, it's not different to that. It's, it's part of that. There's a, your purpose is linked to people and places. There's things that because you, you're there with them, it'll happen. You know, in just the same way, there's evil stuff and bad stuff can happen because you were in the wrong place with the wrong people. Then you get in the right place with the right people and God will make the right things happen. And it's important that we make deliberate choices about that. This is about deliberate choices. See, if you were Elisha, actually, wouldn't you start to think that Elijah didn't really want you hanging around when you read that story? You know... He's like, no, you don't have to come. It's all right. I'm going to go there. And he's like, no, I'm sticking with you. And then he got to the next place. He's like, you don't have to come. I'm all right. I've got to go and, do, go and do it. No, I'm sticking with you. He's sticking with him. Some people would have been like, at stage one. <laughs> Stinky Elijah. Horrible, horrible bloke Elijah. Don't go to his church. Got no time for people. He's like, I'm sticking with you. What he's got, you see, he's got a kingdom covenant relationship going on. Something else I've read recently that just God so opened up to me. This idea of covenant versus cohabitation. See, there's a spirit of cohabitation, which is basically, I'll be with you for what I can get out of you as long as it works for me now. And then when it doesn't, we no longer cohabiting. For some people, that's the best they can offer and the best, the most they ever expect in life. And it falls so way below what God has got for us. You know, I sometimes watch films and documentaries, you know, things on the t- and it's like somebody will say, and they turn around and they say, oh yeah, and blah, 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 and my boyfriend, and now he's asked me to live with him. And it's like, and he goes, oh, amazing. And I'm like, is that the, is that the best that you, you can offer? I'll cohabit with you? Is that it? It's got to be something deeper than that. I remember years ago, I had a conversation with my brother. And uh, he was, you know, we in the pub and he was talking about his, his girlfriend. And he was, and I was chatting to him and he was like, oh, well, um, I said, why don't you marry her? And he said, uh, oh, I don't know, I'm not ready for that kind of commitment. I said, well, look, you've got a house together, you've got a child together. It seems like a commitment to me. You know, what kind of commitment? But he's so glad that he got married. Years on, so he didn't just cohabit. See, co- the, I was reading something. He said that the cohabiting spirit is actually like a Judas spirit, because Judas was just in the twelve for what he could get out of Jesus. And as soon as Jesus starts talking covenant on the Last Supper, this is my body, this is my blood. Oh, that's going to cost me. I'm out of there. Judas goes because he's just a cohabitor. He hasn't got covenant going on. Just studying on from that, it talks about, um, you know, you think about Ruth and Naomi. You remember that story? You've got, you got um, Naomi, who's the mother-in-law, who basically says to her two daughter-in-laws, who've now no, not got any husbands, and she hasn't either, look, I'm, I'm going to go back to Judea. I haven't got um, uh, any husbands to give you. So you go... And, I'll, and you go back where you came from. Go back to Moab where you came from. 
and I'll go. Um, and, then, and one of them, one of the daughters-in-law says, yeah, okay, thanks, hug, and gone, because she's cohabiting. Whereas Ruth says this beautiful thing, I can't remember it all word for word, but she's like, no, where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. Where you die, I'll die. Your people will be my people. Where you're buried, I'm going to be buried. And she's like, we're in covenant. We're not just cohabiting here. And she's like, and she wouldn't let her go of her. She's like, wherever you go, I'm going to, I'm going to, she clung to her. And guess what happens? She goes into there, the right place with the right person, in covenant with the right person, and God opens up her destiny. And she ends up meeting her husband, who then ends up, um, through, through that line comes David, through that line eventually comes Jesus. Because covenant opens the door for destiny in a way that cohabiting never does. I was reading that the rabbis say that something happened with the other daughter-in-law who then went back to Moab and according to what the rabbis say in the Midrash, which is like this collection of other sayings, they say that she ended up having relationships with a whole bunch of people. And as a result of that, she had lots of kids. Some of them were really big lads. Some of them were giants who gave birth to other giants. One of them ends up being called Goliath. She's the grandmother of Goliath. See, big problems can come out of cohabiting and big blessings can come out of covenant. You choose. See, he's saying, I'm going to stick with you no matter what. Not for the benefits, not for what he can get out of it. I'm sticking with you no matter what. You get so much more out of people who are like that. And you, you, you are much more of a person when you're like that. So, there's a test at Gilgal, and it's not going round and round in circles. It's, it's, it's moving forward. It's keeping your eyes focused. And there's obstacles, and there's tests. And there's sticking with people who, who you know. This is a destiny opener for me. My first destiny opener was sitting there. Is Zoe, my wife. She's the first person who opened up God's plan for me when I first met her. And there's been so many along the way. You know, I think of various people who come to mind. Alan Buckley, um, Derek Bailey, Tony Price, a guy I was just with last week who, who, who mentored me. And uh, then there was David and Lynn Saunders. And then there's a guy called Eric Delve who's going to come here in a few weeks and preach. And, um, and the thing is, is you honour these people. They are, God honours you. Gerald Coates, Andy and Michelle Hawthorne, the elders here. See, we're covenanted together. We're not just cohabiting. We're like stuck for life together. That's the way I see it. In recent years, there's new things been opened up. Actually, new thing. Dave Ferguson, the guy in the States, who's, we're covenanted together. Not just for what we can get out for one another. It's like he's, he's not just in it for me. And I'm not just in it, you know, I mean, he's not just in it for what he can get out of me. He's in it for me. I'm for him and he's for me. I think, I think you know, I look around, I'm thinking prophetic. I'm, I'm trying to think, who else is there? Are there other people? I think Pete Gregg from 24-7 is another person who, who could be like that. I just sense it in here that we, we, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, something that God's doing, linking us. And, you, and you know, I look back and there's some people, you might not have that much of a relationship with them, but you can, you know, I think over the years, God's brought me to people. There's R.T. Kendall, years ago, he prayed for me and he prayed a double portion of his spirit would rest on me and he said he'd never prayed that for anybody else and I was like yeah bring that on amazing Bible teacher great guy and 
But, but actually the thing was out of that, there wasn't much relationship. See, it actually flows along relationship. It flows a, a, along lines of commitment and covenant. <coughs> Who in the past has been a destiny opener for you? Can you think of anybody? Have you thanked them for opening up something for God for you? Are you in covenant? Are you in covenant with anybody? Or are you just cohabiting? Just living with people, are you with people? Will you be determined and focused to stay in covenant no matter what with people? Even when they do stuff like annoying like Elijah does to Elisha. Because the fact is, even the heroes can be annoying and can get stuff wrong. Nobody's perfect. Will you get offended? See, I think we're not going to get very far following along with imperfect people if we're easily offended. Second test, Bethel, making room for God. You know what Bethel means? House of God. That's what it started with Jacob, if you remember. It wasn't a temple, it wasn't a synagogue. He was out and he, was, he went to sleep outside. He put a, a rock down as a pillow, he put his head on it. And then heaven opened up and he had this amazing vision of angels ascending and descending. And he, he woke up and he said, this place is the, is the house of God. It's like, it's something amazing. But I, I actually think that what he was saying was that, he's not, you know, it wasn't that this place is the house of God meant that that rock was necessarily. This was a sign. I think what he was actually seeing was that this place is the house of God. I think he was seeing ahead of time what the New Testament says. This is the house of God. If you want the house of God, now it's us. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. So it's like, are you making room in the temple? Are you making room for more of God? At Bethel, Elisha was being tested. And the test, if he wanted the double portion, was would he give God more room? Would he give... God more of his time? Would he give more, God more of his heart, more of his life? Was there any, any area that he wasn't letting God in? Maybe there was a, an area that was like closed off to God, little dark space that God isn't allowed into or he wouldn't think God would even want to go into. And again, it, it's to do with people. It could be that offence thing. He, he asks again. You know, Elijah says to him again, no, you don't need to come. I, I don't want you to come in. I think, I think Elijah's testing him. Are you going to stick or fold? Elisha says, I'm not cohabiting. I'm in covenant. I'm coming with you. I'm sticking with my assigned person in my assigned place because I've got an assigned purpose. I want to be aligned into everything that God's got for me. Third test is Jericho. Mindset. So what comes to mind when you hear, when you hear the word Jericho? The walls, Yeah? The walls around the city, the walls that came tumbling down. And for me, that's when I think about Jericho, I think about the walls that had to come tumbling down. They had to be shouted down. And the Bible says that we can have strongholds in our minds. We can have places in our minds that, 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 that stop God doing everything that he wants to do. We, you know, we can have, have, have like uh, just patterns of thinking that God wants to break through in order to be able to get what he wants to done in us. The Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but spiritual and have divine power to demolish strongholds. It's possible for us to think differently. No matter how you thought in the past, you can think differently. About what? About anything. You've got the mind of Christ. You can think differently about yourself. You can think differently about your past. You can think differently about the future. You've got options now. You can smash through the strongholds that have been keeping you in the same place. 
So Elisha, he just wants more. He's like, I want the double portion. And so he keeps on walking. He's sticking close to Elijah. And Elijah says, stay in Jericho. And he says, no, I'm not staying in Jericho. I'm going with you. It's getting a bit predictable, isn't it? Wherever you go, I'm going. I'm in covenant with you. The Lord's got a test for us. How much do you want more of me? How much more do you want of me? Do you want the double portion? The fourth place of testing is, is Jordan, the River Jordan. And that's where you, you leave the past behind. Did you think about the Jordan in the Bible? Uh, two things come to mind. There's a crossing over into the promised land. So you, can't stay in, you can't stay in the old place and the new place at the same time. You have to leave the old place to get in the new place. And then there's baptism in the Jordan, isn't it? Think about the Jordan and baptism is this place where the old gets left behind, the new comes. Getting ready, being positioned to receive the new thing that God has got for us means that we've got to be able to leave the past behind and not be stuck there. So Elijah says, if you see me ascend to heaven, then you couldn't receive this. You've got to keep your eyes on me. You've got to keep your eyes fixed. You've got to be focused. You've got to resist all the distractions and all the other voices around you. You've got to stay focused. And they're walking and they're talking. And, and Elijah is like, Elisha's like, yeah, I'm gonna, I want to do it because I want the greater works. I want to see the greater works. I want to see what that means. I'm not going to stay in the past when God's got a bigger future. So he stays focused and he's walking in the footsteps of his destiny opener. And they walk and they talk. And he says, suddenly, Technical or amazing thing, horses, fire, all kinds of stuff that distracts him. If it was you and if it was me, I think I would be like, horse, wow, it was on fire, chariot. But he's not, I'm not looking at that. I'm looking at what I've been told to look at. I'm doing what, I'm doing what I was, you said keep your eye on me, I'm keeping my eye on you. And there are those things, but it's you I'm, I'm keeping my eyes on. We've got to keep our eyes on Jesus the author and finisher of our faith, the Bible says. We have fixed our eyes on him, we focus on him. And then, when he's done that, he shouts out. And it's like, I think what he's shouting out is like, I've, I've seen you, <laughs> I've seen you, I've passed the test, I've done what you said, I'm ready. And then the mantle falls from heaven. It comes down, lands there. And he's like, you know, there's, there's a mantle that's fallen from that generation that's come down to this generation. I'm reading at the moment all kinds of books about great revivals in history. People that have done amazing things for God. And every, every one I'm like praying, God, we could do with that mantle in these days. We could do with that falling again from heaven. We could do with that same kind of spirit to, to, make, to land here. Right here in Manchester, right here in Ivy, right here on me and on you. We could do with that power that comes from heaven. We could do with those kind of healings. We could do with people being set free in those kind of ways. I'm reading about Evan Roberts and the Welsh Revival and 20,000 like a day becoming Christians. And I'm like, we could do with some of that around here. I want that mantle to fall around here, please, Lord. With all the mess that comes with it. So when it landed, it says that he tore his old clothes in two. He's like, I don't need that anymore. I'm putting the new thing on. I don't need that. I don't need that what I used to wear. God's got something new for me now. God's got something different for me now. He changed his old garment for the new garment. 
for the new life because he's getting ready for some new exploits. Now I've got very good news for you. Jesus said, one greater than Elijah is among you. Who is he talking about? Himself. He's like, I'm, I'm with you. One greater than Elijah is with you. The son of the living God is with us. The Bible says that he went around doing good, healing everybody and setting everybody free who was oppressed by the devil. That's what he did. And then when, I woke, when he woke me up in the week, he told me to tell you that he wants to do greater works. He does. And he wants to do them through us. But, but it, 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 it's not just automatic. There's tests along the way. He wants us to do the things that he did and even greater things in our day. I really believe that he does want that to happen. But we've got to stick with him. We've got to stay close. We've got to follow him through all of these different tests, even when it's hard. We've got to stick with each other, even when we annoy each other, even when we don't understand everything and not go and get offended and go off and be on our own or whatever. We've got to, we've got to stick with him to go into the place of more and the place of miracles. And I'm glad that I woke up, but I really want to wake up to this, the reality of it. Not just the promise of it. I want to wake up to the reality of it. That we're living in days, I believe, when this is a possibility and this could really happen. I encourage you to go on Thursday to this joint prayer meeting that's happening with all these different churches from all over Manchester coming together at the Lighthouse Thursday evening. I'm going to be there. And, and I just think there's something so powerful about all these different churches that are coming together to say, God, our city needs more of you. We need, we need you to come and do something amazing in these days because there are greater walk works ahead but there's a closer walk that needs to happen for the greater works to come there's a greater experience for those who give their lives to Christ but there's a greater call to stick together and to learn from one another to to pass something on to other people to receive what other people have got for me to learn and to teach and to grow alongside and to share together and then it's saying and so we just stand up and we'll pray Think about these different tests. Think about the focus that Elisha had. And why don't you just say to the Lord, if you've been walking around in circles, Lord, I I wanna break free out of that. I don't wanna keep going around the same stuff over and over again this year. Please, would you help me to break through into the, the next phase of what you have for me? If you know you've been just going round and round, round and round, not making any forward progress, then I declare in the name of Jesus that this is the year when you start to walk out of that and you walk forward. In the power of the Holy Spirit. And put your hand on your heart and just say, Lord, I want to make more room for you in this, the house of God. You've made me your, the place where you're pleased to dwell and I, I want there to be more room for you this year than ever before. Put your hand on your head. Doesn't matter about people around you. Just say, God, I'm wanting you to tear down every wall, every blockage, every mindset of unbelief or or lies or stuff I tell myself or even things that other people have said. I want the mind of Christ. I want to think like you think about everything.
I need to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. So you, your word says that's possible. So please renew my mindset so I can think differently. And, and then when I start to think differently, I'll, I will really live differently. And take every thought captive and make it obedient to you, Lord. And then just put your hands down and say, take a step. Where are you going? Just, where, where are you standing? Just take a step forward like a sign to God. I'm leaving the past behind. I want to cross over into all that you've got for me. Nothing from the past. All it is back there is lessons I've learned. I'm leaving failure in the water of the Jordan. I'm leaving, I'm leaving uh, mistakes. I'll learn from them, but I'm not defined by them. And I'm stepping now into your promises and into your future. And, and just, I just pray the Holy Spirit would come now on this place and that he would put on each one of us who's ready for that a new mantle in the name of Jesus. Something dropped from heaven to rest upon you, to remain upon you. A new anointing of the Holy Spirit, a new power from on high, enabling you to be everything that you're called to be in this next season. Do everything that he's got for you. Holy Spirit, please come. Thank you that you're here. That, that song said before, I want more of you, God. Not just singing that, it's, it's, it's real. I want more of you, God. More of you, God. And thank you that you want, you want more of me. I give you more of me so I can have more of you. That's a really good swap. More of you in me, for me. More of you on me, for the world. For the world that you love. For the greater works that you want to do through me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I stay uh, standing and be, just worship the Lord. And... and you know, don't let this, you know, not, you know, let it kind of segue, let it move in prayer as, as we worship. It's like, this, it's like the water falls on the seed and it's something that's just starting. The ground opens up inside of us and, uh, you know, we, we, we want to worship the truth into us uh, so that something new has a chance to grow. So don't, don't just shift out of that mindset. Stay focused. Keep your eyes. Don't look at the horse and the fire. Look at what Jesus is doing. Look at what God's up to in these, these moments as we worship him. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.